Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we will be having a conversation with Lawrence Strangio and Annie Thorold about their upcoming production of The Yellow Wallpaper at La Mama Theatre in March. This is part one of a two-part interview with Lawrence and Annie. Lawrence Strangio is the writer-director, and Annie Thorold is the writer-performer. This production is on the 2019 VCE Drama Playlist, so these questions are designed to help provide some insight into the production. Throughout this episode, Annie and Lawrence will use terms such as stagecraft and non-naturalistic. These are terms from the old study design. You may refer to stagecraft as production areas and non-naturalistic techniques as conventions for moving beyond the reality of life. Please note this episode of The Aside was not recorded in the studio, so the audio quality is not as high as it usually is. Without further ado, please welcome to The Aside, Lawrence and Annie. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thank you for being on the aside. So what are some conventions you use in the production of The Yellow Wallpaper that move beyond the reality of life as it is lived? So the conventions that we use uh, range from asides and voiceovers to stillness, use of silence, um, exaggerated movement. It's a very physical theatre piece. Um so as well as a, a text-based monologue so there's a there's a lot of merging of those of the, the the physical conventions and verbal conventions the convention of voiceover really came out of our rehearsal process uh mainly that i i tend to speak the dialogue or the text for the performer while they're working in, in the process that i use and and that became a very interesting visual thing for me to watch the the physical behavior that Annie was manifesting at the time and it started to make me think about about the a silenced woman and a woman who whose voices has been sort of repressed inside her and so that turned into something which we use as a way of trying to show a shift of this woman's development from being someone who isn't really able to articulate her thoughts uh through her through her own body uh to somebody who is very verbal by the end that's something that develops over the course of the the performance from the the opening scene having a a very strong weighting towards the voiceover towards the middle sections where where the the character on stage speaking a lot more and then there's there's sort of like a a stronger balance between those towards the end well for the movements we use we using we're using exaggerated movement, but I would also say that they're kind of symbolic movements. Like it's not necessarily what what they're describing that she is doing or has been done, but also um, maybe how it feels or what a, a movement can represent something else together in relationship with the space and and other props or the set pieces that we use. Can you please tell us how you use movement symbolically in the yellow wallpaper? We're drawing on the wall rather than ripping a wallpaper off, um, as an example. Also, I suppose that there are there are 
moments where she's lying on the table with her arms over her head and yet what she's describing at the time in the text or what's being said in the text in the voiceover is that she's sitting by the window so the so the actual action that we're we're watching is is really what's going on inside her but it's about her feeling rather than about what realistically was happening at that point in time another thing that i think happens in those and is is that sometimes what we're seeing is is a displacement in time from other things that that are that are that are being spoken about at that time for example so, a yeah. movement that the audience will, will see um when there is nothing said um either from the performance or from the voiceover will later be referred to in, in the voiceover but then the audience has already seen that and things happen the other way around too like a movement comes way after then you actually have heard it um and it's like sometimes it, it happens as, as a present on stage but it's always referred to because it's um a writing mm. so she always talks about it as something that has happened yes so she's always speaking in the past tense mm. so yeah there's a so there's there's that displacement as well and what we're seeing and what's being described is is being described as if it's already happened so so those things and particularly things and things like the use of also for being incredibly still at certain times and being and being totally silent uh they they're, they're things that allow the audience to watch and observe her in a way that's different to what's being said so it it makes you think about about that in in a i suppose a, a less naturalistic way in a in a way that um that makes you more critical or more more observant of of that behavior and start to think about it i suppose in a in a in a much more we want the audience to be watching this and thinking about what's happening and and thinking about it while it's happening how does the actress use her expressive skills to realize her character well so the character goes through like a big shift in in these 45 minutes and to start off she's very um restrained and controlled and suppressed and then by the end she's liberated i guess in her movement and free and like unhindered and um to be very still or use, just use parts of your body to start with and then um much bigger in the end and to to um we've been like how do you say it uh we tracing out like we decide when what happens and yeah locking in movements what other expressions so so i think that it's interesting to note that like annie's training uh it, you know it doesn't encompass uh text based theater but it's also very strongly based in very physical forms of theater um one of the things that we used in in a way not not uh in a very not in a very purest way but one of the one of the, the strategies we used in rehearsing this was was the work that's that's taken from and Bogart's uh viewpoints work and uh to think about things in terms of of rhythm to think about things in terms of the architecture of the space to think about things in terms of of uh you know the the patterns of things on the floor so one of the so so it was interesting to to watch those sorts of expressive skills um particularly to do with Annie's body to do with the, the with her gestures her facial expression 
um, that were in some ways contrasting to what was going on in the text and allowed the, the text to be seen differently or to be thought about differently. Uh, so it, it, I think that that's, that's one of the key elements of it. Also, there's a, there's a difference in the two different voices. There's the voice that's the recorded voice, which is, I suppose, representing the journal that the character is writing. Um, it, it's, that's, it's a journal in the story. But in this case, it's, um, it's almost like an inner voice within her or a voice that's like the more compliant voice to start with. But then there's also her physically embodied voice, the body of the character we see on stage. And the body of the character we see on stage, so the voice of the character that we see on stage is at times at the beginning, you know, quite distressed but then gradually becomes much more confident or gradually becomes much more aware of their own power. And then eventually becomes, I suppose, more manic and more um, out of control. And those things, I, I, the contrast between those two different voices is another way that, that the, the performance, you know, is, is constantly keeping us guessing as to what's going on and what's real and what's, you know, what's, um, what is going on in her mind and what's going on in, in reality within that room. How are mood, rhythm and tension manipulated in the yellow wallpaper? So again, I'd say, go back to something that Annie was talking about earlier, that at the very start, the woman is quite still and contained. And so there's a very somber sort of mood to begin with. And the, the music that we use at the very start, which is a piece by Brahms from the same period, is that very sort of chambery, chamber music sort of feel. It, it, it keeps it in this sort of very, you know, not depressive, but, but a very, very sedate quality. And then as the piece goes on, the mood shifts in, um, into much more manic states, into, into states that are a little bit more just seemingly quite normal, but there's maybe some, some other energy going on underneath that. Uh, there's often a tension between what is going on um, physically and what is being spoken. And so that tension is not just a, a sort of a, a psychological one, but it sometimes become, becomes a very physical one as well. Um, and those things are, are things that we can, we can play with from scene to scene to scene. Uh, there are 12 different scenes in the play and it, and as there are 12 sections in the book and they allow us to sort of to, to note the shifting of time but also to note the shift of this character's state from from you know the beginning of the play to the end of the play you want to talk about rhythm a bit yeah so it's also exaggerates or acceler accelerates throughout the piece with these changes of scenes so even in between the scenes this um Rhythmical changes, I guess. It's also in, also in, in, in the verb, voice, verbal yeah. rhythms, yes. Verbal rhythms. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything to say? Uh, of physical movements and also the music score that we use and perhaps a little bit of singing or humming. Mm. We're, <laughs> we're exploring that. Um, I, think, I think it's interesting because we're in rehearsal at the moment and there's mm. and rediscovering new things and mm. one of the things that's happening is that is to find how we want to how we want to make a, a sudden abrupt change in order to indicate that we are into this new scene and sometimes the, the, between the scenes they are a transition moment and sometimes the beginning of or the beginning of an action happens before any of the text happens and so the scene that he already started before the text starts so sometimes those are quite sudden shifts uh, of rhythm 
uh, from what was happening in the previous scene. So it, be it something that that is you know very still or or um, or very uh, physically visually flat. You know, she might be lying down somewhere, then suddenly she's up, and and so the scene changes with a different energy. Um, mm. So yeah, and we use it as well to to not drop in between the scenes as well to to not let the energy that we build up in one scene like because there's a scene change for it to dissipate yeah exactly break down yes yeah so therefore we we've added like maybe a very high no what what, what, am i looking suspense like attention yes that is there like a focus or um a very physical movement to keep the scene change like give the next scene a drive already. Yes. Yeah. And one of the things we're focusing on, particularly in this recreation of the show, is is to allow more moments where there is where there is nothing being said. Where mm. we are simply really able to just watch this woman in this room. It's a bit like a zoo. It's you know, it's a bit like <laughs> you're watching this creature and watching her from her early state right through to the end. And so you're so we wanted to have moments where, where the audience is simply just allowed to observe her. And sometimes they're, they're accompanied by music, which you know, was there from the beginning in the, in the first incarnation of this. But sometimes also it's about there being, moments, there being moments where there is simply silence there and we're watching and waiting for something to happen. And so that's, there's a tension in that too. And, and that, again, puts us in, on edge a little bit in, in terms of, what's real what's not real is you know is is this is this the actor i'm watching is this the character that i'm watching i was lucky enough to see this production in 2017 at an exploration season at la mama theater can you tell us a little bit about how you use the chalk in this production one of the decisions we made really early was never to show the wallpaper Mm. and we're performing in a green room for a start um, the, the walls of the courthouse theatre are painted a deep green. And so we wanted the wallpaper to be something that happens in in the audience's imagination and certainly within the character's imagination. Um, and we, we we tested this idea of, of just draw, of drawing on the walls. And... Yeah, and I, I think that actually gives a release to the audience to finally get, get something to look at, like yes. something on the walls. Yes. Yeah, and... And it's a like kind of frantic chalking, and it's a an outlet for the character as well. And she's she's very high or hy- hyped up at that time mm. in the play. Yeah. And and one of the interesting things that I always enjoyed about watching it in in the original performance was that there was a similarity of rhythm in the in the verbal text and and the drawing. So you ended up with with these large flourishes uh, with some text that was long and extended and then short, sharp, um, you know, markings on the wall when there were short, sharp passages of text. So there's, a, there's an interesting sort of tension between those two things of the, the verbal and the visual meeting in, in, that, yeah. in that symbolically, I suppose. Mm. And again, what we're seeing is not the wallpaper. It's, it's like her expression of the wallpaper. So again, it's not the reality of it. It's a, it's a thing which is, is her outlet. And, and that's, that's what the piece is about. It's about her coming out, not about the room itself. How is the dramatic element of contrast manipulated in this production? 
Yes, so contrast, the most obvious one is the voice recording to the live speaking and how that shifts from to, in the beginning, it's majority voiceover and then the end, more live. Um, and the tone of it is, is and the shifting as yeah, well. Yeah, yes, the, the tone. She's, you know, she's almost, you know, seemingly optimistic in the voiceover at the very beginning, but, you know, and compliant, but, but you can see within the visual of yeah. her on stage that things are not good. So you're yeah. getting a, a contrast there in what you're seeing and what you're, and what you're hearing. But also there are contrasts between some of the text that's spoken in the voiceover is also echoed by the character on stage. And it's said in a way that's that's slightly different. That maybe can, mm. maybe betrays an an inner feeling that that isn't something that you would write down or isn't something that you would say that way if you were talking to somebody else. So it's a more personal state. That's like we're sort of almost eavesdropping on her inner thoughts in those bits. Um, then we have the costume, yes. which is um, oh, at least in the original performance we had a darker and more yeah, more covered, more strict. Her mm -hmm. hair was up and she had a corset on. And and then it shifts and becomes light and bright and yellow. Yes. And, and a more contemporary costume. So it takes the... It, yeah, it's like the society has shifted, but it's not, it's not like that. But that's the feeling as well, like something has changed in the in the pattern in the in the piece in her i think that i think yeah. that it is it is something where we're actually presented with a character at the end who is a much more modern thinking woman mm. than the than the woman that we see at the start who is a 19th century you know repressed woman um and and so the the dress that she wears at the end is something that isn't period at all and and is and is also in, in contrast in terms of its color as well. It's incredibly bright and yellow. So it's like she has become she's become an embodiment of the of the yellowness of the room. But it's also about her being able to be more liberated in in all those senses of the word, liberated from the room, but liberated from the repression of the society, but also you know liberated from the time um, into a time where she can you know be be be, be more free flowing. And uh, so, yeah, I think that there is a, there is a sort of, that, if, if anything, that, that's where there's a more modern analogy that's happening, but it's not within the text. It's, it's really within the performance. Mm. That is the end of part one of our interview with Lawrence Strangio and Annie Thorold on the, the Yellow Wallpaper. Please keep listening for part two, or you can look through our episode bank and find something that piques your interest. If you would like to ask us a question or have a suggestion for a future episode, please do not hesitate to contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thank you to Drama Victoria for continuing to support this podcast. Thank you to Aaron Searle for providing the music. And of course, thank you for listening.